1: Well I am literally uh, blessed amongst women uh, because I'm surrounded on our Friday Forum it's a great pleasure to welcome Roisin Shortall who I've known for many years when she was both chairing Sláinte Care and the Health Report uh, when she was in the Labour Party when she was a minister of course former deputy uh, sorry joint leader of the Social Democrats but still waxing eloquent on all things Uh, Jennifer Bray political correspondent I remember when she worked for Tabloids Uh, she's now the esteemed political correspondent of the Irish Times, writing today about the unanswered questions in RT, and last but by no means least, the Queen of Spin herself, the chairperson, the chairman, I should say, of the Communications Clinic, uh, the one who makes Anton look fantastic, Uh, Anton Savage, of course, who may well be going to fit into the shoes of Ryan Turberty on the Morning Radio You're all most welcome. Ladies, can I ask you, first of all, at the start of the show, I, I, because I do and have done over the last 10 years a lot of work a lot of corporate gigs for people in the motor industry both at local showroom level and at national dealership and policy level with the SIMI I find them utterly professional I agree a fee with them advance I send them an invoice I charge them that when I see a corporate like Reynolds uh, asking uh, uh, Marty uh, Morrissey to do 12 gigs and that he would do it from free, I, I just kind of said, what? Terry?
2: I have no idea about anything to do with Martin Morrissey's arrangements with Renault. Um, he he did sound in his statement as if, look, he he wouldn't really charge them much, but the car would be good. <laughs> I've never, ever understood this car thing. I've never in my life had a company car. Because at some stage, I said to our accountant, look, we're doing well enough. I need a company car. And he said, more or less, are you out of your mind? The benefit in kind that... You 37%, have to, yeah. Yeah, and now Martin Morrissey is going to have five years of that. Unless, of course, he properly paid it as he went. But what I find most interesting about all of this is how diffuse it is getting. At this stage, anybody who has ever had a whinge with RTE or has been fired by RTE has their own complaints coming up and I think it'll be very corrective next week to have the catalyst for the whole thing or perhaps the two catalysts, Ryan Tubredy and his agent in front of an Oireachtas committee and I sincerely hope that the Oireachtas committee keep their questioning narrow so that we get from Ryan Tubrity why he would have said to all of his colleagues over the airwaves, we're all in this together, we're all taking pay cuts, when apparently he wasn't taking a pay
1: cut. Sorry, apparently he got a letter on the 21st of July 2020 guaranteeing that he would have no pay cut.
2: Well that letter may or may not have gone directly to Ryan. It may have gone to the agent. Blame the
1: postman now. (laughs) Okay, so we don't know what cars are left to come out of the Montrose car park. Uh, We don't know what flip-flops we're going to hear about. Jennifer, you were listing this morning the unanswered question. And it's hard to see the wood from the trees here. But from a public, you know, there's a kind of salacious element to this. And, you know, I I get the entertainment value of it. I've been working on it for the last two weeks. But the point about it is from a public policy point of view, you. What are the unanswered questions with RT?
3: OK, so there's a couple really. Um, we know what this controversy is about. We know it's about misstated payments that the public were told Ryan Tuberty was being paid a certain amount, but he was actually being paid more. There has been no clear explanation so far for a sum of €120,000 in undeclared payments. These were made to Ryan Tuberty between 2017 and 2017 and 2019. So, overall, hidden payments around €345,000. There's an €120,000 sum in there from that period I talk about that has not been explained. Now, we know Grant Thornton are examining the issue. We don't know when they're going to to report on that. So, I think that's a major outstanding thing. The second thing is we haven't actually been told who and why, how did it happen that these invoices were labelled as consultancy fees in the system rather than what they actually were which were salary top ups. Who decided to call it? I thought Geraldine and why? O'Leary
1: did explain that she raised those invoices.
3: She said she raised them, but she said she couldn't quite remember exactly who told her to do so. She said she couldn't remember whether it came from an agency request or did it come from the former director general or whoever else. Does it she matter? She did it. It does matter because it actually gets to the heart of the reason why this transpired as it did. Um, So we know what happened, but we just don't know the exact why of it. Um, And I think in terms of accountability, it, it absolutely does matter. I mean, at the end of the day, someone has to stand up and say, I did this and here's why I did it. And we haven't had that.
1: Also, you know, the talent and like it is quite extraordinary the extent to which Renault got their own late, late shows, their private late, late shows underwritten by RTE. They would pay the cost of the set, they would pay the cost of the some of the guests appeared on it, as well as Ryan's 25 grand. I mean, I, I that is like what hold did Renault have over RTE?
3: Well there are loads of questions being asked about this now in, in relation to the relation the relationship between RTE and Renault. And legitimately so I think um, and as far as I know Renault have kind of not commented um so far. What was really interesting I think was to hear Breda O'Keefe, who's the former Chief Financial Officer, she appeared before the committee strong this Strong performer. Very strong performer and it really matters in those committees because you can wilt and when you wilt, it's mm. bad for everybody. Um, particularly like I
1: could imagine as Ciara Malooli trotting into her office, she said, no, I'm not going to do that for you, you know oh, what yeah, I mean? And him She's out, a no and person, you I'm know. saying, yeah, yeah. You'd,
3: you'd worry about going to her asking for a pair of <laughs> exactly, sent out exactly. the door at your tail between your legs. But and, and, she she and, was and, talking and, about that. She was and, talking
1: about that. Because I want to come on to the part of things, but just, just from the point of view of Ryan and, and, and Noel, I I, I do struggle, and I say this in a sympathetic tone to them, how they won't come out of six hours of grilling hardly enhanced. What, What would your advice to them be? Because, you know, you've been in this situation where people in politics and in business... Uh, you know, have been in the crosshairs of, you know, the maelstrom of a a, a tsunami, uh, you know, where everyone is... is, What advice would you give them, Terry?
2: I wouldn't give them advice in the sense of, uh, here's what you need to do. I would need to go to take maybe two days of constant simulated sessions... Where I'm throwing every single question that could possibly be thrown at them,
1: so and kind of I, rehearsal, is it? Yeah, yeah,
2: and I think that the danger that Ryan may have is that because he's accustomed to being a television personality, to being on the transmitting side, if you like, um, he may think, "Well, sure, I know the stuff, and if there's anything technical, Noel can do it." But the fact is that it's not stuff. It's interlinked stuff and no committee has yet Sorry, is, visited You mean by
1: that the attention to detail is important ad- or do you mean his tone and sort of uh, contrite demeanour is I the best way be- to retention? I don't believe in
2: tone or demeanour or any of that bullshit, Ivan, as you know. <laughs> Um, I believe in solid content, in honesty. And I think that one of the things that the committees are going to have to do is look at the other companies that Noel Kelly had and how much influence. I I understand he had one company that was providing prizes, competitions, a whole load of stuff like that. Okay, how does that influence the behaviour of broadcasters? And how did it influence the behaviour of top management? Because, as has already been said, it is frankly bizarre that an external agent – I couldn't even name another agent in Ireland – would have such contemptuous, apparently, contemptuous power over the national broadcaster. The contempt being, it's hearsay, but people saying that he said that orgy management didn't have a clue and they had to basically be told what to do. We need to get all of that. And Ryan and Kelly going in together is interesting. That's the one piece of advice I would have given Ryan. Okay, I would have said... Go in on your own.
1: And and, and I, I should, of course, explain that I am on Noel Kelly's books of NK management myself, amongst other agents. Uh, the politics of this. Discuss, Roshan.
0: OK, so we're now into week three of this scandal and it has been hopelessly handled, I think, from RTE's perspective. Um, And we're still even though we've kind of got a whole lot of additional information, not least Marty's car and various other things and the the match tickets and the restaurants and all of that. The core question which kicked all of this off uh, yesterday, two weeks, has still not been answered. And that is in relation to the salary top up that Ryan Tuberty got, who initiated that, who knew about it? And, you know, what are the records in relation to it? How is it? How is it accounted for?
1: Well, the answer uh, you've got is it was Dee Forbes.
0: Well, That's the answer you got. Well, th- there's an element of it was all D Forbes. And it's easy to say that when she's not giving evidence. So I think it's very worthwhile that that Ryan Tuberty and Noel Kelly are coming in next week. And hopefully they will, you know, throw light on this and we'll get answers to, to these questions. Of course, RTE could have waived the privilege that they had in relation to that key meeting that took place. That we know took place. Uh, that was 20 2020 tw- on twenty in relation to the this, continuation is the this, this is the tripartite yeah. agreement. The tripartite agreement. Okay, so it it was a teams meeting. Um, D Forbes was there. RTE solicitor uh, Tubridy and and Kelly. Okay, so
1: we don't. What are you not, calling for?
0: we need to know what happened now you know Dee Forbes wasn't available Tuberty and Kelly weren't available until now uh, next week but the solicitor would have known what transpired at that meeting Mm. and RTE could have waived privilege in relation to that could they, have,
1: they have not. I mean, like the the solicitor lady. I saw her before the yeah. PAC was, and she said, "I've I've I've taken advice on this, mm. and I'm not prepared because there could be litigation." Yes, Are I, you I, not accepting that? But
0: but there's protection on that client solicitor yeah. relationship. Yeah. But I, as I understand it, RT could have waived that. Okay. Okay, and allowed her to say exactly what happened. So so they're the key questions that still haven't been answered, um, but. What the last two weeks have shown us is, and, you know, Terry spoke about tone and demeanor. I think there has been an appalling attitude by RTE in relation to how they account for the very substantial public funding that they get. Two hundred million a year right, a massive amount of public money and there's accountability for the spending of that money. That's the first area of accountability. The second area is in relation to the truth in the news and them being honest and truthful with the public.
1: But and, they would and say... we
0: haven't had that. They would we say... We haven't had that on, transparency. On the last published
1: accounts they, they gosh whatever it was, was, 196 million from the licence fee. But... You know, Geraldine O'Leary said over a decade, she earned, you know, through the commercials, 1.65 billion. And we did it at a cost of, you know, 1.6 million through these barter accounts. I mean, like, in, 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 in our, take that commercial money away from RTE yeah. and what have you left with?
0: Yeah, and, and that's a very important topic. But the fundamental thing that kicked all of this off is the fact that we didn't get the truth in relation to Ryan Tuberty taking a pay cut. They, they portrayed it as a pay cut for the top 10 earners. That wasn't true. And that needs to be explained. That's the fundamental thing. But what we saw in terms of the attitude of various RTE people that came in be- before the two committees was this cavalier approach. The early days, like they came out and, you know, before the committees, they didn't ha- they weren't prepared. They didn't have answers to basic questions, and they, they didn't know their
1: own salary in some cases. Exactly, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. but but I mean, it, it that okay. is, that indicates okay. well, an ethic we're, we're, and an attitude okay. at that is point, not acceptable.
1: All of the sewage will be exposed. So Kevin Becker's comes in on Monday. What would you say, Terry, that he should? try and by, by this time next year by the 1st of October where should he try and position the organisation What ch- does he need to have heads in the bucket on the executive board because if you sack someone in this country you've got to pay two years salary to them and so on what do you think Kevin Backhurst should do now
2: first of all I think he should continue to be what he was yesterday it was almost permission to breathe watching this man last night on television because He actually listened to the incoming questions. He was respectful to the journalists asking them. And when he couldn't answer a question... He explained courteously why he couldn't. We need to have that, the attitude embodied in him to continue like that. The second thing is that this weekend is going to decide a lot of the things he can do in the future. I would recommend for starters that he stops the use of this idiotic phrase, executive board. It's the lead team. It's the top managers. It's not an entity per se. The second thing is that between Geraldine O'Leary's departure, because she's leaving in August anyway, and I would suspect one or more other resignations, his slate is going to be cleaner and he can then decide, Okay. The lead team I need must do this, 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 this and this. I therefore need that number of people. I need new people or I need to take somebody from one area and put them into another area. And I need to do something. I would sincerely hope he does this. I believe that he needs to do town hall meetings right throughout RTE. Where he stands up, where people get coffee, sandwiches, whatever, because food is great at these sort of meetings. And he says, "Okay, let me give you a brief five minute." Or here's the priorities. Now tell me your questions, and that he answers questions from ordinary people, from makeup artists, from camera operators, rather than from journalists. And through that, through that, he can single handedly tilt the culture and create a better sense of inclusivity and belonging.
1: I I get all that. But, Jennifer, the difficulty I have is that I'd say the commercial revenue is going to go down. I'd say the licence fee collection is going to go down. They have 95 million of borrowings. They're set to lose 30 million a year before this starts. They actually need urgently a cash bailout of about 50 billion, I reckon.
3: Absolutely, and Leo Varaka was asked about this yesterday at a press conference, and he said, "I'm I'm actually not going to go there, as and I'm not going to commit to a full bailout of this company." And he said, "It will come to a question, he's sure, in the future of that cash being needed, but the government aren't making that commitment now. Or to have a debt ceiling of 100 million, debts currently around 95 million, they're going to be squeezed." On all sides. There's a reputational hit commercially. Um, you know, and God only knows what will come out of all the things that we've heard in the A licence
1: fee collection will be I mean, I thought yep. it was incredible for Catherine Muppet Martin to say when asked about the licence fee that she couldn't advise people whether they should or shouldn't pay it. God damn it, it's the law of the land.
3: I was very surprised to see that actually. And I, watched, I watched that, I listened to that press conference and I thought that's very unusual um, for the Minister for Media to come out and say that that's not going to help. She couldn't give
1: people advice on whether to pay it or not. Yeah, yeah, I mean, what sort of incompetence is that There's a big, it, is there's a big right?
3: element, I think, at ministerial
0: level, there's a big element of lead, leading from behind she should have been out front from the very start and she hasn't been, unfortunately. But Kevin Backhurst has a massive job to do. Certainly the things he's been saying over the last few days are encouraging, I'd have to say. But I mean, essentially what he needs to do is restore confidence in public service broadcasting because RT has been very seriously rocked by all of this. And you will have that fallout of people saying, why should I pay the, 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 the licence fee and that? So he needs to restore confidence in the principle of public service bro- broadcasting and assure people that they will hear the truth about how RTE is is, is organised, and that means changing the culture within RTE the culture change has to come from the absolute top and, and better people there. But critically, he also has to bring the staff and RT with them because they are reeling at this stage. They mm-hmm. are people who are out, you know, working long hours, all of that kind of thing. And they have been seriously let down by management there. So like... I well, they're under- going to be
1: downsized whether they like it or not. Well, well look, I can
0: understand this. Leo Vradker saying I'm not going to write a blank cheque, yeah. nor should he, you know, mm. But but I mean, we have to commit to public service broadcasting, but it has to be uncertain conditions. OK,
1: let's let's go to the other big story of the week, which in some way is, is easier, Terry, but in another way it's actually much more important. That is the summer economic statement, the budget is on the 10th of October, Budget 24, and how that's going to be put together. Today you have in all the papers the Fiscal Advisory Council, which are the watchdog of public money. And we run the real risk of doing what we did in the early noughties. All this money came in from property transactions stamp duty, to the construction industry when the music stopped, we had actually spent all that money in more public servants and so on. And we had a financial fiscal crisis. The Troika came and all of this. When the tech money goes, when the intellectual property moves off of Ireland, are we going to be faced with the same thing? And all the politicians are really worrying about, well, if the Shinners are going to get in, we're not going to let them spend it.
2: And that is the kind of attitude that you would have personified back in your day, Ivan. uh, That is how politics I was part of a cabinet that
1: had a balanced budget. But anyway, the (laughs) point is this. Politics versus economics. Which
2: way will they go? They'll go with politics. They have already gone with politics. They're saying, well, we're breaking our own rules, but in a very good cause, and we are unlikely to have this amount of money. And uh, Ivan, your, your sketch of what happened the last time missed out on things. You said, well, we got more civil servants. What is in in train, as I understand it now, is more infrastructure that we might actually get the Metrolink. We might get things that would connect this country and that, more importantly, would tilt it away from Dublin to the West. All of that might be good things to do with the money that we
1: have. Absolutely. Make us more productive and competitive and all of that. Do you get my overall point? I do. I do. Do they say, because just imagine... If Sinn Féin get in next year and get over 70 seats and first thing they're faced with is current budget surplus of 12 billion. Oh, lads, we're going to spend this on, you know, health and housing and all the rest of it.
3: I very much doubt that if Sinn Féin got in next year on current polls that they get more than 70 seats. But yeah, I do get what you're saying. There's there's two people in the way of a complete budget blowout and that's prudent Pascal and Moderate Michael and they're there in the corner saying, We're not gonna let you do this, you know, you're not gonna blow the budget. You know, this happened fifteen years ago. Um and we so saw you, you think
1: they will prevail?
3: I think they have prevailed. Look at the figures. You know they've announced in the summer economic statement, and like people are like, what is that? Because people are busy and they don't have time to go wondering about these things. Well, Understand that's
1: what? not what the fiscal advisory council are saying. They're saying they've lost credibility.
3: Well, the fiscal advisory council are saying it's repeating a pattern, undermining credibility. But they say that pretty much every year, and the government's attitude basically is, well, actually, in the end of the day, they always come on on side and say that actually the government in the end took the right course of action. They're spending less according to this statement than they did last year. The spending is a little bit less. I think actually the big thing will not be these figures. There's going to be this huge battle over the summer around this 4 billion. These are the one-off measures. These are your energy credits all that kind of stuff. That's where the political heat will be over the summer. That's what I'll be chasing What are you expecting? What
1: are you expecting there? I mean, when, when they stand up on the 10th of October they will roll over these uh, once-off payments. Is that what you're saying?
3: Well, two things. Okay, Firstly, in the lead-up to this summer economic statement. Fine were all out op-eds and newspapers wanting one grand tax cuts. All these budget flyers. Actually the tax package that was outlined in the summer economic statement is billion. pretty much the same yeah, as yeah, last yeah, yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Um, now they always find money down the back of the couch, yeah, you know they that. Will. Will. And, they, and yeah. they probably will. But I think you'll see huge pressure around social welfare. We've already heard in parliamentary party meetings TDs saying we need 20 euro extra per week in the social welfare and pensions etc. Just expect more of that. Budget kites all summer. Get ready. Okay,
1: Social Democrats' perspective.
3: Okay, I would say it's not so much the politics thing that
0: are important, but what's actually happening to the economy and one of the key criticisms of ifAC and others in relation to the summary economic statement and the 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 the, the <coughs> excuse me budgetary approach generally over recent years is the fact that we're now in a situation where there's money to spend but we can't spend it because, because of, of serious constraints within the economy. And that is as a result of virtually no long-term planning. By this government and the last government. So we're now in a situation where there's money available to put into, say, disability services or the health service or in housing, but we can't spend it because we don't have the staff. Mm. And that's the biggest the constraint. Yeah, yeah. That's the biggest constraint now on, on the country and on, on the economy. The other thing, of course, from the political side of things and the economic is that what what Fine Gael in particular are doing, they're trying to buy people support through promises of tax cuts. And that simply does not work any longer. After the crash, the public kind of got way ahead of the political system and realised, like, this is short-term stuff. You're not going to buy our votes with our own money. What we need, the public see all of the shortcomings in relation to housing, in relation to our our health service, childcare, all of that. They want those public services properly funded rather than this thing of, you know, the the dog whistling of giving tax breaks to those people who are already pretty well off. All
1: right. I'm going to Give you the last word. I could stay gassing to these uh, three wonderful women uh, until four o'clock, but I have to get the Wexford races this evening, so we have to draw it to a halt. My thanks to Rosie Chordall, Terry Prone, and Jennifer Bray. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m.
0: on News Talk.